0: Well, hello, Exchange Community Church. My name is Pastor Mark, and along with my beautiful wife, Pastor Ellie, we are the lead pastors here. And we pray that if you're new, that this service today would be an absolute blessing to you. Well, you may have noticed that our for our regular attendees, uh, our service is a little bit somewhat different. Uh, no longer will we be putting a full service together for a Sunday but we are now breaking it up where it's just the message and maybe a couple of announcements. And our worship will also be on our channel, but you'll have to go to Exchange Church's YouTube channel and find some of the worship and you can select your own worship. In fact, I know Tim and the team just released a 35-minute worship session. So I know a bunch of you already seen that. We pray that that's an encouragement to you. And and again, I want to thank all the people behind the scenes that have helped make all of this stuff happen. So a couple of things. Community groups are back. We are launching. Registration is open. We encourage you to sign up especially if you're new to Exchange Church and have somewhat joined online and haven't really been able to make some of those in-person touches and connections with people. This is a wonderful way to get uh, connected at Exchange. I would say on a Sunday, we love for the message to go wide, but during the week when we have our community groups is when we can go deep and we can make those connections with people. People can get to know our names, know your story, They can hear your prayer requests and pray with you. It's a great way to get connected. And so you can register uh, in the link in the bio on this YouTube message right here that you're watching in this video. You can go to the link there and get yourself connected. Also, I wanna thank all of the people that faithfully tithe and give at Exchange Church. Thank you for your generosity. And as well, you can give through the link that is there as well. And if you have any questions for us, as I read some of these announcements here, if you've got any questions, you can email us at hello at and we will get back to those emails. We do respond to those as quick as we can. We want to, again, encourage people to get connected and we're excited. I'm excited to be back in the school. It's awesome. And we're seeing God beginning to do something there already and it's wonderful. It's a great in-person worship experience. And, and if you can, We love to encourage you from the couch to the congregation. And if you are able, if your health permits and and it's a wise decision for you um, and there's nothing stopping you, make the decision to do that, to be in your local church community as we go forward into 2021 and all that God has for us. Well, for those of you who have been uh, watching over the last few weeks, you'll notice that we have launched what we call a study on the attributes of God. And we believe this, that... If you have a healthy view of God, then a healthy view or understanding of who He is, His nature, then that will affect your relationship in a positive way. But if you have an unbalanced or unhealthy view of God that is not correct, then your view of Him could be compromised and could be amiss. You could be cutting yourself off from the favor and the promises that God has for you, the purpose and the plans, That God has for you simply because of a bad belief that has crept in somehow along your journey of who God is, what His nature is like, and it is robbing you of a wonderful life that God has for you, that God has pre-purposed for you. And so over this last season and into this next season, we are believing that maybe just a little bit, there'll be a shift in the way that we view God. An increase, maybe there'll be an expansion and we'll be able to operate and function at a higher capacity, churning over more fruit for his kingdom. Everybody wants to be used by God. And I believe one of the ways that that takes place is by us simply getting to know God. Who is God? And of course, as I say that, and those words leave my mouth, it's almost an impossible task to describe God. He is God after all. The one who created everything and so with that though it's not going to stop us from having a go and last week we talked about the attribute of love god is love and when we talk about that attribute i realized one sermon is not enough to talk about the attribute of god in fact one season or one year is not enough to talk about the love of god and with that i was uh leading into this message i was sitting in my with a group of people and as we were sitting there i asked everyone this question i said put your hand up if it feels like we're we're in the end times right now it's kind of a spooky question and funny enough of i think there was nine people there straight away every single person put their hand up and i thought that was actually quite fascinating And I've been watching, I listen to other pastors around the world and hearing what people have been putting out there. It's funny, a lot of pastors have been talking about end times and and it feels very end timesy. And again, um, I know what you're thinking is that every single time uh, that we talk about end times, that every generation thinks that they are the last generation. Everybody wants to be raptured, I think. and we all want to be special. We all want to feel like we were the ones who picked it up. And so, but what's different about the season in which we're in right now is the earth's capacity to be able to fulfill revelation prophecy of what the end times is like is there. The technology is now there. And so it's funny, we're also, what came up in the conversation is people talking about the different generations and, and we went through the list. I think we got baby boomers. And then we went to Gen X. Then we went to Gen Y. Um, that would be me, Ellie's Gen X, and I'm Gen Y. <laughs> That's not true. And then we talked, there's the millennial generation or Gen Z. And, and then someone said, well, what's the next generation? And I didn't know this, but they haven't been named yet. And they have to be known for something before it actually happens. And I thought to myself, well, in the context of a conversation about the tribulation, let's call them generation tribulation. There it is, people. You heard it here first at Exchange. Generation tribulation. They're here one minute and they're gone the next. And that was an awesome dad's joke. (laughs) But I was watching and I was thinking about that this could be, if we are in that final stretch, that the importance and the role of the church is crucial. I was watching uh, the Olympics. I Loved watching the running, the track and field's my favorite. And it was the 5,000 meter men's final. And I was watching the race unfold. And I never picked this up before. Maybe you have, maybe you haven't. But you'll notice that the pace of the race is not the same as the last three laps, when they kick in to those final three laps, they just take it up to a completely different level. And I know right now uh, that when I think about the church, if we are in the last season, it seems like the kind of season, if 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 that's the case, then planning out a race, it would feel like the church needs to kick up to another level. And knowing what the role of the church is in the final days and the final hours, we need to step up to a completely different level and, and, and function at a different level of, of influence, of fruit, of capacity than we ever have before. And in saying that, achieving that, the Bible says that where does unity God commands a blessing? An ununified, divided church It's very hard to see God's plan fulfilled through a church that's divided. In fact, divided, we cannot stand. And so the importance of how we treat each other, how we connect and relate to each other in this season, I believe really matters. There are plenty of reasons right now in our world to be divided. There's plenty of reasons. Just turn on your TV and there's many, many opportunities for us to be distracted and divided. But, there, but the, the reason to be united, being the gospel, will always be greater than all of that other stuff. The reason for us, the crucialness of the church being united is so important in this hour. But just as important as the need to come together, And unify is the reason why we unify. The reason why we unify. We must unify from a spirit of love. We know this. And why is it important to unify on the foundation of a spirit of love? It's because love casts out all fears. Love conquers a multitude of sin. In fact, what I believe that over this last 18 months, what I've seen within church And the way that people are relating to each other, the way that people are treating each other, the things that people are saying about each other and how they're connecting is somewhat unbecoming. Um, There's many great cases and there's many, uh, we've seen many things, God's uh, used people and people have stepped up and stepped out and their faith's been stretched. But at the same time, humans being humans, things have gotten messy. And in some situations, people have become divided. And because of that, I believe that what has been exposed is that some of us haven't been united on a foundation of love in the cause of Christ. And it's been exposed. Uh, people have been gravitating to churches that tend to agree with their worldviews, whether it be politically or socially. They tend to find a place. And, and, and then when a church tries to unify people over the next social injustice cause that seems to sweep through different trends and political perspective, and I'm not saying whether they are morally right or morally wrong, but if the church if, if Jesus is not at the center of a cause or a party, then you might not like what you reap in the long run. If we unite over some superficial or some causes and not on a foundation of Jesus Christ and the gospel message in a spirit of love, then any old thing can take us out and cause us to disunify. This is why unifying in a spirit of love is so crucial and important. Unity in a spirit of love looks like this. My love for Jesus, the great commission and building his church, what he's returning for is greater than my frustrations with other believers. So therefore I choose unity over division. My love for Jesus, the great commission and building his church is greater than my frustrations with other believers. So therefore I choose unity over division. You know, I I think sometimes the greatest force against the church It's not necessarily the principalities of an area. It's not the political perspective of someone. It's not the the, the social media and the media attacking the church. I often think one of the greatest challenges to the church is the way we treat each other, treating each other in a spirit of love or treating each other selfishly in a way that is unbecoming to who God has called us to be. I thought Ellie preached it Uh, So wonderfully, a few weeks back when she said this, it's real simple. This is the gospel message. Jesus came. Jesus died. Jesus rose again. Jesus established his church. Jesus announced the Holy Spirit. Jesus ascended into heaven. Jesus is coming back. I love that last one. Jesus is coming back. Let's not live like Jesus is not coming back. He shall return. One day he's coming back. You know, and I hear a lot this when I have conversations with people uh, or the the saying is trust the science, which is a funny thing. The definition of science is observable and repeatable. And so uh, when I hear that statement, it doesn't really make a lot of sense to me. And and this is not an anti-vax statement here that I'm trying to establish, but. But we we need to be, I want to remind us today that we are men and women of God. If we call ourselves Christians, we believe some pretty wild things. We really do. And be careful when you follow into a uh, theology of trust the science because uh, the science does not support the resurrection of Jesus. The science does not support the return of Christ. That's what you believe. The science does not support the miracles in the Bible and the miracles that we are still seeing happening today. The Science doesn't support that. It doesn't make logical sense. It goes against the natural laws and order that we see in this world, which God put in place, by the way. So what I'm saying is this, is I'm not sure. Again, coming back to uh, the beginning of this message, I'm not sure if we're in the final hours and Jesus is coming soon. I'm not sure. I don't know that. Um, and I'm not going to pretend to claim to know that. Um, I don't, and I don't know uh, that. But I do know that the church's role, and and is in the end really does matter. The the part that we play before Christ returns really does matter. How we treat other people matters to God. It significantly matters to God. Now, would you to listen to this? Love conquered law. Love. Conquered law. I want to encourage this is a way that we can help build up stamina in the way that we treat each other and unity being so important in church and in a church culture. Love conquered law. This means that when our feelings get hurt or human our human nature is to want to hold people accountable to God's law. If you've been in church long enough, you know that you will it is only a matter of time before someone says something about you, someone misunderstands you, someone makes an accusation against you, and it's frustrating. And you you think to yourself, how can people carry on like this? How can people, the people that were supposed to support me, there's people that were supposed to love me, Christians. Oh my gosh, it feels like they're hypocrites when that happens, and it will eventually happen. No matter what church you go to, there is no church with greener grass. I can put you out of your misery right there. Every church, you will eventually, because of relationship, you will eventually come to a clash. But love conquered law. It's our human nature to want to hold people when we get hurt, our feelings get hurt, to hold that person accountable to God's law. We get mad at them. But it's justified because of what they did, because of what they said. We say horrible things about them because of what they, the horrible things that they said about us. It's almost as if sin begats sin. And because someone else sins, we pick that sin up and start off and carry on its lineage. Because And we justify it because our feelings are hurt. And we justify it because of what they did. And we hold people accountable to God's law. But when Jesus fulfilled the requirements of the law and overcame death, it paved the way for us to hold ourselves accountable to love. Did you catch that? not sure if you realize what happened just there, but I just put the ball of responsibility in your court. When you get offended, I don't look to the other person to find resolution. I find resolution in the fact that I'm secure in Christ and I hold myself accountable to love. In other words, what I do is I don't allow sin to beget sin or an eye for an eye. No, I hold myself to a higher standard, accountable to the love of God. And that completely changes the outcome. Our fallible human nature is to hold people accountable to God's law. But because of Jesus, we can hold ourselves accountable to love. And it changes the trajectory of that relationship. We cut sin off and we repay sin and bad comments and bad motives and bad stuff with the goodness and the love of God. And we've been empowered by God to be able to do that. This is great news. Your relationships don't have to end because of sin. Your relationships and hard times, they can grow, they can go forward because you can sow and hold yourself accountable to love. Romans 12, 14 says it brilliantly. Bless those who persecute you. It doesn't say leave cut off, delete from Facebook, ignore and never talk to those who persecute you. It doesn't say that. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. How's that possible? Because we hold ourselves accountable to love, not them accountable to God's law. Romans twelve nineteen says, dear friends, never take revenge. So tempting, but never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scriptures say, I will take revenge and I will pay them back, says the Lord. Instead, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals of shame on their heads. Don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. I love that. And you know, uh, and you read that right. When someone offends you, or someone hurts you, make them dinner. Make them dinner. In fact, I think right now it would be amiss of me to not take advantage of this opportunity right now to let you know that I really like ribeye steak, I like spaghetti bolognese, I like fried chicken, I like butter chicken. I'm just putting it out there. The next time I offend you and hurt you, it's probably gonna be a problem if I got 20 mils backed up in the kitchen. (laughs) But when someone offends you or hurts you, It's so sad that Christians can sometimes be so easily offended. We're the ones who need to respond with the love of God because we have the love of God, the attribute of God's love. We've been exposed to it. We know it. We've been in the presence of it. Maturity is not just being the bigger person. It's still being able to lead them to the resurrected person, Jesus. And despite what they say or do to you, That's what maturity is. You're not mature because you can tolerate their nonsense. You're mature because you choose to still love them. That is maturity. In fact, I think sometimes that's what we bile it down to our own life and our own experience and we create God in our own image. In other words, their sin didn't steal your witness because you held yourself accountable to love. Did you catch that? Their sin didn't steal your witness. I wonder how much your witness costs. I wonder what depth or level of offense you can deal with with and respond with maturity because of what happened to you and then you can instead of give back eye for an eye you give back the love of God and it changes the dynamic. I wonder how much your witness costs. I wonder what trigger words people need to say to put you in a place where you become ineffective and ineffective for God's work and God's kingdom. Romans 8:38 I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today, nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. That is a fantastic scripture. And I want to think about that in a completely different way. Nothing can separate you from God's love, which means this, because you have chosen to remain connected to God's love. There will never be a moment in your life when love is not an option as a response to other people's ill will towards you. It will never be an option and not an option. If you've chosen to remain connected to God's love, in other words, if you've chosen to be in relationship with Him, and nothing can separate you from the love of God, that means love is always an option for a response for you when someone says or does something that is ill will. And I'm specifically honing in on the church right now. And if this is the final hours, and knowing the role the church plays in the final hours, then we need to get this right. We need to know that our response as mature people is not a goal of tolerance, but it's the goal of loving them regardless of what they say or do if you look at all of the stuff that is going on in our world right now you look at things like afghanistan or you look at COVID-19 and Afghanistan is a horrible situation. As a church, we are praying for that. And we are believing that Jesus will have his way. Um, you know, I, I guess I, it's to some extent you feel hopeless. Maybe you feel hopeless and, and putting out a statement, what, what does that achieve? But uh, we're going to have to, in Jesus' name, put it in his hands and just believe that God is going to do the miraculous. He is in control. But if you look at what's happening, COVID-19, vaccination status, politics, there are so many reasons right now for the church to be divided. The enemy uses every single thing he can to divide a church. But none of those reasons are greater than why we need to be united. None of those reasons are greater. And I'm talking about the cause of Christ, the gospel message is so crucial right now. People need to hear the gospel message. And the vehicle that God has chosen to return for and use to facilitate the gospel message is his church, his bride. Now, now, if you're there by yourself, you don't have to say this. Also, everyone has to say this. If you're sitting there, everybody say, feelings are fun. Feelings are fun and then turn to the next person, if you're with someone, two or more, and say, feelings are dangerous. Feelings are fun, feelings are dangerous. Now, feelings are fun, and that's why people go to theme parks. Theme parks are wonderful. Uh, That's why you have relationships, because feelings are fun, and that's why you get married, and that's why food is so good. That feeling of eating a nice spaghetti bolognese or ribeye or pulled chicken, buttered chicken, it's just all wonderful. But feelings are also dangerous. They can deceive you. Feelings, they they can motivate you to say horrible things about other people because of a feeling that you had. They can cause you to live under a rock in fear because of the feeling of what might happen, even if it's not a possibility. That feeling can cause us to live in fear. They can lead you into a relationship that wasn't what you expected it to be. It turns out completely different. The relationship starts out with, oh my gosh, you are so easy to love. And then it drifts all the way from, you are impossible to love. And feelings could have carried us all the way to that place. Feelings are fun and feelings are dangerous. And it is almost impossible to talk about The attribute of God's love without having a conversation about how feelings, if we allow them, can corrupt our understanding of God's love. Feelings are so powerful. Feelings can influence the way that we view God. And we can reduce God's love down to a feeling if we're not careful and we take the divine nature out of it and it becomes more about us. Feelings are powerful. And I want you to understand is that you are a living, breathing, processing machine. That is who you are. You are a living, breathing, processing machine. When when life happens to you, and then you process that experience or that information through your intellect and through your feelings. When life happens to you, that's That's what we do when stuff happens, when things go right, when things go wrong, when I get a new job, when a new relationship starts, when I buy a house, when I have a child, all of the life and maybe negative things happen. When life happens, we process it through our intellect and our feelings. And, you know, I'll I'll, I'll say it this way. I don't like jumping in a cold pool because my intellect has taught me through my experience of my feelings, that cold is horrible. And there's two kinds of people. There's people who slowly get into the pool, they get their feet wet, and then they allow the water to go up to their shins below their knees. And then they go in up to their waist, and they stand there like this with their hands in the air for about two minutes until someone sneaky and cheeky comes up behind them, pushes them into the water. Then there's the other group of people who just wanna jump straight into the water and just get it over and done with, get that cold snap through deal with the ice cream headache as it comes. But it's our feelings and our intellect that helps us process reality around us. And even if you seek out the wisdom of someone else and say, well hang on a second, it's not just my intellect and my feelings that are processing life and life that happens to me. What if I go to someone else? Well, even if you do go to someone else, you still have to process and and run that through how you feel about what they say. And by nature of the fact that you don't act upon every wise counsel that you are given, whether you may think it is not wise, is still the buck stops with you when we process this stuff. Now, I say all this to say this. Can we agree that through this living, breathing human body and, and mankind across the globe over many centuries, uh, has not been able to produce a, and, it, and is incapable of producing a loving world. We're incapable of doing it. We can't produce a loving world. In fact, what happens is you just have, and you, know, you don't believe me that you just have to turn on the news. Look right now, at what's happening in Afghanistan? Look at the crime that we see, and, and look at our jails and our prisons and our and our courtrooms are filled with people because we are, as human beings, incapable. Of creating a culture and a world of love, and I and I and I don't understand it, and it's wild, and and how is it that people can be so horrible to each other? What gives them permission to behave and speak and conduct in a manner which is just so ungodly? How does that happen? The problem is, and this is what I believe, is that love has been reduced down to only. A feeling and when love is just a feeling, our human nature is to reject that which doesn't make us feel good and to pursue that which makes us feel good, even at the sake of others because we've reduced love down to a feeling. And this is why it's very difficult to not talk about the attribute of God's love without understanding the place and the role of feelings in this process. God created your feelings. Obviously, He wants us to feel and experience life. But we need to understand their place. Feelings can indicate, but they cannot dictate. We need to also be balanced with a healthy understanding of the true nature of love and who God is otherwise we will spend our days if love is just the feeling pursuing what feels good at the sake of others and rejecting what we don't like and what doesn't feel good and that is not a way to live your life sometimes you need to go through trials God will use those trials to increase through sacrifice And through obedience to God, he'll increase your capacity to love the people that are around you. But if you live and have reduced love down to a simple feeling, you'll miss a whole aspect of who God is. Love, yes, love is felt, but it's also revealed, and it's revealed through Christ. Our feelings and our thoughts desperately need a place to be weighed and measured and reasoned against. And that place, anyone, two, two guesses, real easy, and you wanna guess Jesus or truth. We need to measure it against Jesus, the truth of who Jesus is. Most people think about how God feels. It's what they think about, uh, how God feels about them. When they're thinking about God, how God feel, feels about them, they're thinking it usually through the lens of their humanity. How does God feel about me? Does God actually love me? Surely He knows what I've done. He's omniscient. He knows everything. He sees my sin. But God views you through the lens of Jesus. He sees you righteous. He doesn't see you through your sin. Romans 12, 9. There's a wonderful scripture. It says this. Don't just pretend to love others. I think I have to read that part again. That's awesome. Don't just pretend to love others. really love them hate what is wrong hold tightly to what is good you may say after reading a scripture like that well mark i'm having a really hard time trying to love forget forget people outside of the four walls of my church just just my church i'm having a real hard time connecting and loving people because of their views on this topic pick a topic there's so many so many things that can divide us right now. But, and, and, and I'll say this, some people, so extreme, that in their inability to actually confront this issue in their life, they'll, they'll even change their world to get out of having to deal with it. They'll, they'll pick up, pack up, go somewhere else, maybe go to another church, go to another work, place of work, they'll go to another relationship because they don't want to deal with the fact that they, they're struggling with that and, they, and, they, and Jesus' command is to love, to love them and don't just pretend, but to really love them. I want to say this, coming back to where we started, my love for Jesus, the great commission and building His church is greater than my frustrations with other believers. Therefore, I choose unity over division. I choose unity over division. Meaning that when things go wrong, when it gets messy with people, I'm choosing unity over division. I'm choosing to unify and love that person with a supernatural love that God provides. I'm not the creator of love. I am a conductor of love. I get to funnel that love to the people that God has called me to do life with. I'm making a decision to choose unity over division. You know, one of the things that I love about America is we have the right to the freedom of speech, the right to freedom. We can say pretty much what we want, pretty much, not not, we can't yell fire in a movie theater, but we can pretty much say whatever we want, whenever we want, to whoever we want. We have the right to freedom of speech. But we also have the right, this is what's fascinating to me, is that we also have the right to remain silent. If a police officer pulls you over, you don't have to say a thing. You can remain silent the whole time. You know what I think? Over this last 18 months, some of us have lost the maturity, maybe because we've been isolated and we've become keyboard warriors, and we've lost the maturity of knowing when to speak up or to remain silent. And the cost has been unity. The price that we've been paying is unity. And where there's unity, God commands a blessing. You know, let love discern the difference between speaking up and remaining silent. You don't know what to do? When you're hearing someone saying and speaking nonsense, saying obnoxious things, conspiracy theories, or whatever it is that's coming out of their mouth, let love discern the difference between speaking up and remaining silence. I don't want to sell out my witness because of an immature reaction that prevents me from continuing to love them the way in which scripture commands me to love. And, and by the way, um, this might seem like a conflict to the Constitution. I love the Constitution of America, so I will premise it with that. I don't want to get any emails or letters. But when you became a Christian, here is a list. This is a list of things that you gave up when you gave your life to Christ. You gave up all your rights. You said, "No longer I that lives, but Christ that lives in me." That's a it's a challenge that we all face every single day when we just wanna do our own thing or say our own thing. But we said, you know what, God? It's no longer I that lives, but Christ that lives in me. The idea, and I wanna say this, wrapping up this message, it comes to God's presence, talking about feeling. Some people have theolo- theological issues and challenges when it comes to the presence of God. I wanna say this in a, in a sweet spirit, not a not an attack, but The idea that you can't feel God's presence has nothing to do with God. God is omnipresent. The idea that we can't feel God's presence has nothing to do with God. I'm going to tell you there's a big difference between feeling God and knowing God. They are not the same thing, feeling God and knowing God. And so the fact that there is hope for us in our relationship with Him, yes, we will at times feel the presence of God, the tangible presence of God. I would say last Sunday at church in our worship, it was electric in the atmosphere. You could feel the presence of God. And most people after the service commented. In fact, funny story, I said to my eldest son, uh, my wife had preached a week before and I said, Oscar, whose message was better? I'm obviously saying it facetiously, but I said, Oscar, whose was better? Was Mum's better or dad's better? And he went, the worship was better. I thought that was awesome. He felt the presence of God, and there'll be moments like that. But feeling God and knowing God are not the same thing. The Holy Spirit can reveal the love of God to you, and you can intellectually understand how love works. And when you don't feel like loving someone, the good news is this, is you can draw from that revelation of what God has revealed, the Holy Spirit has revealed, and you can make wise decisions. Love is always an option. When you remain in Him, love is always an option. You can always respond that way, which is good news. Amen. My prayer is this, is that over this next season, that Exchange Church will continue to be known as a mature church that responds to situations with love, kindness, grace, because Jesus paved the way. When he overcame the law and sin and death, and he rose again, it made an option. It provided an option for us to now not hold people accountable to God's law, but we can hold ourselves accountable to God's love. And so therefore, out of who we are as a church, they will know by the love, they will know that we're His by the love that we have for one another. And so I pray that you receive this word into your heart. And it would be a course amiss of, of me to not give people an opportunity to begin a relationship with Jesus. It's the main reason why we exist as a church, to see people know God. We partner with people to make Him known. We love building His church and we love seeing heaven come to earth. But right, for, it all starts with knowing God and we believe that with a simple prayer and with a simple confession that we are able to right reconcile back to our heavenly father 2000 years ago and so Jesus died on a cross for our sin and our sin separates us from god the bible says that when we confess that sin it is too heavy of a burden for you to carry and when we give that over to him and we repent of that sin. The Bible says this, is that we shall be saved and we confess him as Lord of my life. So what I would love to do today is to pray a prayer. And if you say, you know what, yeah, I once was in that place, but now I'm distant or I need to get, uh, I want to start a fresh relationship with Jesus. And I encourage you to take my words, make them yours and know that God will hear. Pray it authentically. So all together, dear God, I come to you today and I ask for your forgiveness, for all the times I've hurt you and all the times I've hurt others. Holy Spirit, help me and guide me to live each day for you. And so from my heart, with my mouth, I confess you as Lord of my life. In Jesus name. Amen. Fantastic. Well, as I mentioned right at the very beginning, we are starting our and launching our community groups, which is a great way to get to know people. And hey, if you prayed that prayer today, why don't you email us at hello at And we'd also love to get you connected into a community group. Uh, we don't want you just to have a moment with Jesus. We want you to have a relationship with Jesus. And there are amazing people that would love to help partner with you to see you go from a new Christian or a, a, a freshly back into a relationship and see you become effective for him. That's our heart of exchange. We pray that you have a fantastic week. We pray that God continues to use you and your life and the influence that you have for him. We pray that you actually be a beacon of love because that's who God's called you to be in Jesus' name. Have a fantastic week and we'll see you in church next Sunday.